Well, good morning. It's good to be with you. I was at our Cary location last week, so it's always good to get back. And we're going to wrap up the series today, uh, What Keeps You Up at Night. You're the ones that drove this series because you answered a Facebook poll this summer uh, with that question, what keeps you up at night? And so we've taken the topics over the past few weeks and addressed them. If you've missed any of the weeks, you'll want to go to our website, click Locations, North Raleigh, and then you can watch or you can listen, but it's, it's been a great series. We're going to do every week uh, like we do every week, and that's seek God's wisdom with our fears, specifically in this series. So I'm going to ask that the ushers come down with Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, we would love for you to have one. You can go home with it. It's a gift from the church to you, so signal to them, and they'll give you one. Or if you just need to borrow it, you can take one and put it in the back on the way out. As those are being passed out, I want to ask you, have you ever felt like you should be doing something uh, more with your life? Ever feel like there's something different you should be doing or something more important that you should be doing? I felt that a couple times in my life. The first was when our daughter was born, our oldest, Elizabeth. She's 22 now. But she didn't want to enter this world at all. She went the full two weeks after, you know, the due date. And so we went to the hospital and the plan was induce. So we were just hoping that Kim would get a little whiff of that Pitocin and would get her body going, you know, the contractions would start, but they didn't. So like 7 a.m. is turning to 10 a.m. is turning to 12 p.m. And with each hour that goes by, what they're doing is increasing the Pitocin which the contraction seemed, the period of relief seems to be shrinking, the intensities more, and with the intensity of pain, her hunger pains are there as well because she hasn't eaten since the day before. And they won't give her ice chips. They didn't even let her eat ice chips. And so being the good husband that I am, I did the sympathy no eating as well. So I did not eat. But 12 p.m. turns to 2 p.m., turns to 5 p.m., it was 7 p.m. And Kim's entering the transition stages of labor. You know, what? you know what that looks like? I didn't recognize the person before me that was in the bed. All I knew was I was saying yes to everything that she was asking of me. But I realized my hunger was affecting my ability to care for her. Yeah. So I tried to do this without her realizing, but I reached into the hospital bag, and right as I did that, she went, the contraction started. So I quickly grabbed some, it was crunchy, salty goodness. It was wheat thins. I should have picked something softer, but I eat it, and all of a sudden I see her eyes. She gets a waft of, the, of food, and she says, I smell food. Who? you're eating. I said, wheat thins. <laughs> Put that down. Then those words that we're all familiar with. Don't you think there's something different you should be doing right now? Something more important? I, but seriously, I say all that just to get you to connect with that idea of you ever get to that point in your life where you feel like I should be doing something different with my life. Maybe something more important. You just don't know what it is. And so that's what we're going to look at today, this idea of purpose, because it's important. I like how Mark Twain put it. He said, 
the two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you figure out why. Every one of us wants to live a life that has meaning and it feels like we have importance. It doesn't matter whether you're, whether you're young or old. We all desire to know our purpose in life. Whether you're a senior like by age or you're a senior in high school, both of you are dealing with career. One is dealing with stepping into a career. The other one is dealing with stepping out of a career, but you're both wondering about what to do next. And you want it to be something of value, something that counts. It doesn't matter whether you're married, have kids, single. The, the day-to-day, you can get caught in that, and at some point you stop and you say, is what I'm doing, does it really matter? Because you want it to. It doesn't matter if you're a Christ follower or you're still checking out the faith. You want your life to count. But yet, so many times for us, as we look at purpose, it feels like an unsolvable mystery, doesn't it? It feels like it's elusive, that we, we can't find it. And so we wrestle with it. It keeps us up at night. And so what I want us to do this morning is let's get into God's word, the one who created us, and let's see his wisdom around this idea of purpose. So we're going to be in John, New Testament book of John, chapter 20, if you want to turn there. As you're going there, I just want to give you a little idea of what's going on here. Jesus has already been crucified. He died, he rose, just like he said he was going to do. And then the people in our story are Jesus' closest friends. They saw the crucifixion. They knew that he was buried. And some of them had actually gone to the tomb at this point and saw the empty tomb. And that's where we enter our story. Verse 19. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Now remember, these are Jesus' closest friends. They were there with him. They knew he said what was going to happen to him. So you would figure that they would be throwing a victory party, right? If there was social media back then, they'd be like, Jesus wins, right? He lives. Hashtag empty tomb, boom. Drop the mic, walk away, right? But that's not what we read. They are scared and they are afraid. Because they think the Jewish leaders and the Roman officials are going to think that they stole the body. And hey, if they killed their leader, Jesus, then they're going to do the same to them. And so they are scared and they're hiding. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. I'm glad I wasn't there because I am skittish. Donnie has shared some stories before how he's come up and surprised me uh, in dark rooms. Well, Jesus' sudden appearance would have made me change my pants. And if that didn't get me, just the sight of the bloody wounds, I would have fainted. I would have been that disciple that they sat around the campfire going, remember that night when Rob did this? But... That could have happened here, but that's not the details that we have. What we have is they were scared. 
And Jesus says, peace be with you. And then we read, they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And here they are living in fear, wondering what they're going to do next. And they see Jesus, the presence of Jesus. He offers them peace and they are filled with joy. And it's in that very moment that he then offers them a purpose. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Here they are. They have their plans. It's to stay put and hide. But Jesus is coming and saying, I've got something more important, something different. I have a mission for you. And so now that tension of their plans, God's plans, something greater. We understand that tension, right? In the opening, yes, I sometimes feel that. I know what I'm doing, but I feel like there's something else. We understand this tension. And what we've got to realize from the start is this truth. God's plans for me are better than my plans for me. So often, my self-made plans lead me right back to the same spot where I once started. Kim's family, my wife Kim, her family owns a campground on Cape Cod. And we stayed there for, I mean, that's where I grew up. And in the 2000s, early 2000s, we had the opportunity to purchase that camp. And I had been writing software for a long time. And I, Kim and I were just talking, what, what are we doing next? God, we feel there's something. What is it? And so we pursued camp ownership, only to have it fall through. And then, which was, which was difficult, that was a very difficult thing to hear. And then years went by, and the camp ownership came up again. So we pursued it again. Because we really felt like, hey, that this maybe things weren't aligned then, but they are now, and, and our family could be an influence to the families there. We grew up with them. It just felt right. It fell through again. And that was tough because it did, I wanted to know God's plans now, right? I'd been feeling this for so long, like, God, there's something, and I wanted to know now what that was, but it felt like a mystery. It felt unsolvable. But what I've seen over my years of my own walk is that God's plans for me are better than my plans for me. See, every one of us wants to feel fulfilled fulfilled, to feel happy. But what can happen is we can go to the wrong places to get that. A high-powered job can be gone in one reorganization. <laughs> Health, like your savings account, can be wiped out with a turn of the market. We've seen that. Your health, like a diagnosis on your health, can change the trajectory of your life. Friendships, people can walk away from friendships in a heartbeat. And so this idea that, you know, what is it? God sees all of that, and he knows the way that we are to go through it. He sees all that. And what God is most concerned about is what's going to happen in us in the process. 
more than he's concerned with what's going to happen to us. Now hear me, I don't want you to tune out. He cares about what will happen to us. But he will be there every step of the way and he's focused on what's going to happen in us, in the process. Paul says it in Romans 8, verse 29, for God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. Some of your translations may say, conform to the image of Christ. You see, God's plans for you are not affected by any circumstance because his plans and his goals and his purpose focus on your heart and your character. That's what he's concerned. So when I embrace God's plan for me, I become more like Jesus. That word conformed means to be like another, specifically here, to be like Jesus. And if you've ever taken clay, I took silly putty as a kid, take silly putty or clay and you press it into a mold, it takes on the image of the mold. That's what you and I are to be like as we press into Christ. What do you mean? as we pray, as we attend worship, as we get in small group, as we get around others and listen and step into it and take action on godly things. As we do that, we are going to resemble Christ as we allow his truth and his presence just kind of permeate us and have its way with us. We will resemble Christ to those around us. My brother comes to this location. He's bald like me. So he looks like me, and so often, after a service, people will come up to him and say, that was a great message, or hey, that was an impactful communion, and he always goes, okay, I'll let him know. <laughs> um, sometimes they confuse me because he plays drums. They'll be like, wow, I didn't know you preach and play drums. Uh, I don't, and you don't want to hear that, but he says to them, I'll let him know, and then they always say, you just look like him, and some of your mannerisms look like your brother." I think that's what it means for those who are conformed to the image of Christ. That's what it is to be. As we love God and we serve others and love them, as we let our heart beat for the same things that Christ's heart beats for and the same things that break his heart, when we allow that to happen in us, then what those around us will see is Jesus they will be reminded of Jesus. And that is God's ultimate purpose for you and me. And that is tough to hear, right? For me, that's too vague, right? My prayer time, if you were to listen in, would be, God, what specifically do you want me to do? And where do you want me to do that? And you can probably relate. You want to know the specifics. Paul says to the Christ followers in Corinth, he was addressing an issue, but in the process of that, he says this. So whether you eat or drink, he's dealing with the issue at hand. You can read the letter. But then he says, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Whatever you do, Rob, all that you do, Rob, not just Sunday, not just Tuesday in your circle, everything is an opportunity to live out God's purpose in your life. 
And when the camp ownership fell through mid-2000s, I was restless because I was wondering, I told you, I, we already knew, we felt a call to do something, but I was restless because I was like, all right, well, I'm writing software, but is, is this having an impact at all? I mean, God, come on, give me specifics. And I just remember that season in my life, God would just put, lay verses, the Holy Spirit would just like speak this verse to me and others. And if you could have plugged in, you know, if my head was a little, I had an iPod jack in there, and you could listen, it'd be God saying, Rob, you can live out my purpose for your life in the here and now. Do not miss those opportunities. And oh, by the way, don't discount those opportunities as if they're not part of my plan, because they are. And so I moved from asking the question, Lord, what specifically and where? Now my question was, God, how can I reflect the character of Christ right where I'm at? How can I live in a way that people would see Jesus and his love, his joy, his peace, his self-control right where you have me? And when I looked, there was unlimited opportunities to do this. Software design meetings. Live it out there. How are you going to handle conflict between people? Can you live in a way that people will see self-control? Are you going to uphold people while addressing the truth? Are you going to be a team member, Rob, that encourages and supports other team members? Are you going to lift up their gifts for the betterment of the, the whole team? How about in your neighborhood, Rob? Do you know your neighbors? Are you loving them? How about as a leader in your household, are you being the Christ to your wife? Would she see Christ reflected back through your actions and your words? And with my children, everywhere I look and looked, and when you look at your life, is an opportunity to be more like Jesus. Now, it wasn't until years later that God called us to live in the same way but not at a software company, just at church. And I wanted not to tell you that part of the story, but you figured it out, right? I couldn't leave that part out. But what I didn't want you to think is, oh, you have to work at a church to carry out the mission of God. No, not everybody's called to be on staff at a church, but everybody is called to minister and love the people around them and to look more like Christ to, to others. Every one of us is called to do that. So the truth is, the where shouldn't matter. Yet we make the where and the what our devotion. We pour all of our energy into that. But he's calling us to reflect the character and the heart of Christ to those around us. And so the purpose for your life and for my life, the deepest place where we feel fulfillment where we feel satisfaction and joy, it transcends any role, it transcends any job, it transcends any circumstance in life. It is ultimately to bring glory to God. So verse 31 says, we do it all to bring glory to God. And that when I reflect the character of Christ, I bring glory to God. In the New Testament, the word translated glory 
signifies an estimate of worth. If you were to bring a ring to a jeweler, he would give you his estimate of the value. He would reflect the value of that piece of jewelry. And so God's highest purpose for you and me is to be a jewel that reflects to those around us an accurate estimate of God in a relationship with him to the people around us. And that's a big, big task. It's one I'm not sure I can carry out. I wonder, do I have what it takes? I'm not going to put back up on the screen, but if you go back to John chapter 20 with the disciples in the room, scared, hiding, locked door, and Jesus calling them to something different, to something more important, and he had the mission. If you go back there and you just go down to about verse 26, you'll read that eight days later, they were in the room again, locked door again. I don't know the details because we just read that that's where they were again, but there's part of me that says it looks like they're at the same spot that they were before. They're scared. They're living in fear. And in a sick way, I can kind of, I'm comforted by that. Because don't you ever ask a question or you fear, well, what if I get the thing wrong, that God was calling me to do this, but I step in the wrong direction? You fear that, like I'm going to do the wrong thing. Or you fear you won't have what it takes to carry out God's plan. Or you fear the myth, like you will not be provided for if you do that. Or you fear having a lack of time to do it. Or you fear what others think. That's what fear does. If you look at the people in this room and the disciples, they're stuck. Because we get paralyzed with all these what and if, and we either stay paralyzed or we run in the other direction, right? But you cannot accomplish God's purpose in, in, in those hiding places. I can't do that. You can't accomplish his purposes. And so what are, what are we to do there? I want to give us two things to think about. The first is this. We need to change our perspective on purpose. You see, for most of us, we have a destination view of purpose. If I get this job or this circumstance happens, then that will be God's plan for me. That's a destination view. A journey view says God's purpose will be carried out during my lifetime. And he will call me to accomplish that and equip me to do that. We need to change from a destination view of purpose to a journey view of purpose. And then the other thing is, we need to take courage that God is sending us. As he said to the disciples, I am sending you. Well, Paul, talking to the Christ followers in Ephesus, says this, and when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. I just want to press pause here because if you're wrestling with your purpose, and you don't know Jesus, then the fulfillment of your true purpose hinges on you stepping into resolving 
that relationship with Jesus. This is what, why we exist as a church, to connect people with God through Jesus Christ. And so if you have questions about that, that is okay, but don't go home without starting the conversation about the questions. What's holding you back with believing in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Because your true purpose hinges on that decision. Now, there may be some of you here that say, I'm a Christ follower and I'm still, I'm wrestling with this fear. I don't know what, if I got what it takes. Or I'm thinking, you know, I might do something outside as well. As he said to the disciples, he said, I'm sending you. He's sending you. And then if you read in John chapter 20, we read that he breathed on them. This way. It's his spirit. We read it's his spirit. Paul says Christ followers are given the Holy Spirit, the same spirit they have, we have as Christ followers, which will be used to, to carry out what he's calling you to do. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this, why? So we would praise and glorify him. There's our purpose again. You see, in the face of our fears, the only way through them is to surrender. Surrender your expectations of a job, surrender grade points, surrender um, teams, surrender all of that. Doesn't mean don't do the work. Surrender that as the devotion, the driving thing in your life. And what you find is as you surrender, meaning comes right behind. So often, we can chase, okay, what is the meaningful thing we're supposed to do? And then I'll surrender to it. Jesus is calling us to surrender everything. And then meaning will follow through as we trust him with, with our life. Everything, our careers, you name it. Meaning follows surrender. So what if you and I moved out of our hiding places and we stopped looking in the sky for God to write our purpose in there? And we did away with the destination view and we accepted the journey that God has a journey for us to accomplish his will over our lifetime. And we asked, we simply asked, God, in the here and now, right where you have me, how can I reflect the character of Christ to others? Right here. Every one of us can do that. I've seen people do it. It doesn't matter your circumstance. I've seen people in suffering. I was in the ER this past Friday with a man who had a minor stroke, could hardly talk. But he was talking to the nurse who was doing the stroke exercises to see how much progress. In the middle of that, he mumbled the words, God has surrounded me with all of the best people. And the, and the nurse went, well, thank you, sir. I've seen young ones as... Uh, a young man in the first service who's going for chemo at Duke. And he's going and he's, these people are not turning inward and saying, God, so you had no plans for me, huh? This is what you got. No, this young man is going to Duke and he's asking, hey, good morning, how are you? 
Uh, who, who are they reflecting back? It's their Savior, Jesus Christ, who understands how to suffer and yet still have hope and perseverance through that. I've seen people do that. I've seen uh, a senior in high school last year. She was in and out of the hospital her whole life. And so she's approaching, what school school do I go to? And what what am I going to do? And for her, she wanted to give, she wanted to be there for kids that are going through similar things that she went through. And so she chose a school and and a curriculum and she stepped into it. Will God make her the head of some organization? Will she make a lot of money? I don't, I don't know. It's still in progress. But what I do know is that young lady wanted to bring hope to those children. As she does that, who is she reflecting back to the people around her? Jesus Christ. The Father sent him to this world to give hope. She's living it out and people are seeing that. I've seen seniors by age not get stuck by saying, Well, thanks a lot, God. It seemed like my purpose retired when I retired. Mm -mm. I've seen some of that, but I've seen people lean into their giftedness, be it artist, musician, teacher, coach, computer, whatever it is, I've seen people lean into that and say, God, how can I use my giftedness for others? And they're in school systems or they're teaching. Uh, There's one lady who has artistic capability, went to a retreat and helped others grow in their faith by her leaning into her gift and using it there. And the world will look and say, at the one time in your life when you could do anything, like for yourself, why would you choose to do something for somebody else? Because they're reflecting their Lord and Savior who chose to do something for somebody else. They're living life in a way that others see Jesus Christ. If you've ever been around a single person who you just carry the burden that that they carry, that they desire a relationship like other people have, married couples have, they want that so bad. And I've seen couples get that relationship, start dating, and then realize this would not be a godly relationship. And so they stepped out of it. The world says, but you deserve, you deserve to be happy and fulfilled. That, that's what you wanted. Why did they do that? Because they knew that God's plans for them are better than their plans for them, even in their relationships. And it is a journey. I've watched one young woman go through what she called a wintry season, divorce, and then working through that. And this last push for getting people into a circle, she created a circle. For who? Women who are going through their wintry season. Will God use that even further? I bet you he does. But for her, she's just stepping into where he's leading her, and she's saying, how can I reflect Jesus to others? That's the question you and I need to ask. And when we do it, we'll be fulfilling God's purpose. And when we trust and step out, we'll be fulfilling God's purpose. And the neatest thing to see is in the process, he works job, 
relationships, circumstances. He works all of that out. You just got to trust him with it. I got to trust him with it. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you and thank you that um, you created us with a purpose. And man, that statement right there, not, not, the whole world doesn't believe that. We were not just some random act. We were created intentionally and with a purpose. Help each of us to feel that and trust you and move toward you. And Father, may we live in a, a way that reflects, may we be jewels that reflect to the world just the true priceless um, value of a relationship with Jesus and that they would be drawn to you and you receive the honor and the glory. And it's in your son's name I pray, amen.